Well, it's great to be with you this morning. Um, I was obviously with you last week, but on the screen. And uh, can I just apologize for the lag in the video feed? Uh, we will get that fixed because it's awful. But I'm here in person uh, today. Angela's excited about it. I'm so glad my wife gets excited that I'm here. Hey, um, it is great to be with you. Julia is away having a wee break, having a holiday, because um, Ange and I go on a sabbatical in five weeks' time, and we're having three months away. So we thought, good time for Julia to get a quick break in before we go off, and she has to work extra hard. Hey, isn't it cool to see Tim and Terry Lee here this morning? Pretty awesome. These guys take home delivery to the next level, having a baby at home last Saturday night, which is uh, pretty incredible. And then in church the next Sunday is pretty awesome. And not due till Friday, coming, right? So uh, nice and early, pretty awesome. Well, we've started our series, obviously I started it with you last week, called Grow, which is our Thanksgiving faith offering for 2019. It's, uh, as I said last week, it's crazy to even think that we're here again. It's been a year since we launched our last giving campaign. But we do it every June with a heart that we would increase our reach as a church, but also increase Christ's influence in the world. That's our expressed desire. That's why actually Selwyn exists, why we planted this campus, was this desire in us to increase our reach into our city that we absolutely love, but in increasing our reach would increase Christ's influence into people's lives who don't know him right now. So as you sit here today, that's the vision of planting campuses, is that that would be our heart, that we'd reach more people with the truth of who Jesus is. And I'm excited by that thought because we want to do more campuses in the future. And uh, that's what one of the um, blueprints we felt God gave us and how we're going to reach our city and, and then hopefully reach into our nation and beyond that is to plant campuses that are life-giving that would reach people with the truth of who Jesus is. And Selwyn is our first one. So Selwyn is the model, which is pretty cool. And I've, I feel that's prophetic for this campus is it's the model. It's the first to break ground. It'll be the first to do all the firsts. It's like the first-born child who you're strict with and you try everything on and you, you care about and, and the second child gets it a whole lot easier. Does anyone know what I'm, I mean? But this is like the model. This is the place where I want to see a great faith uh, really, really come to pass in the sense we can believe God even for buildings. We can believe God for great growth. We can believe God for community transformation, for opportunities to make a difference in society and in a community out here. Is anyone else excited by that? I feel that's the vision that God has given us for this campus, but for every other campus that comes. I'm really excited about what this year's vision can really mean for us, this idea that we are to give our hearts again completely to God, open them up to Him again, and say yes to Him in this idea, in this revelation and understanding that God has more in store for every single one of us. God has growth for every one of us who can say amen to that. I'm not done growing. I'm not done growing up in God. I haven't seen everything, experienced everything. I don't know everything. I haven't seen God reach every single human being on the planet yet. So God has great growth in store for all of us. That's good news for you today. And I believe this could be a season that is a catalyst for where God really wants us to go in the future. In other words, if we are going to plant more campuses, if we're going to have the kind of reach that I feel God has placed in our hearts, if we're going to stretch out and believe God for more, it's going to take every person saying, I'm in. It can't be the 80-20 thing. It can't be 20% of the people doing 80% of the work. It just won't work. And so therefore, there's a sense of the call of God on life, church, across both campuses, that we are going to be a people who are all in, where is a job for all of us to do, where I don't come along and I'm not just a passenger in the journey. I'm actually a partner in the vision. I'm a partner in where we're going 
as a church. And so Grow could be the catalyst to see more people get engaged in the vision that God's given us as a church. The vision God has given us is important also for every individual. It's the commitment to me personally, Carl, or you, to grow. See, our personal growth will in the end be a time of corporate growth. And so that's what God has spoken to us about. If, if every person will take a step up in me, if every person will be willing to grow, if every person will get out of complacency, be willing to go again and to go all in again and say yes to me again, that will actually equate to corporate growth. We launch with the understanding that if God gets my heart, then God gets it all. We sing about it a lot. A lot of songs about it. God, have my heart. Here's my heart. God, have me. Take my life. Take all of me. God, here, have my heart. And, and it's great to sing it, but it's great when you sing it with integrity. When you actually can say, well, God, I, I actually genuinely want you to have my heart, have it all. Take my entire life. It's yours. What I give my time to, my money to, and my service to is the indication of what has my heart. If I want to shift my heart, I have to shift the focus of my time, my money, and my service. If you want to look at what resource you've got in your life, your time's pretty precious, where you serve's pretty important, and your money kind of makes a difference. If you want to look what has the attention of your heart, have a look at where you place those three things. That'll show you how important things are in your life. But if you want to shift your heart's attention, you have to shift the focus of time, money, and service. Let's have a look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 to 21. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what has the attention of my heart, or translated the center of my personality, which embraces my mind, my emotions, and my will, is the most cherished and desired treasure, and this is what inevitably will have control of the direction of my life and will set my values in place. Let me put it to you this way. If worldly honor, if the opinion of people and the honor of man is what really is important and it becomes your value, then ambition must take control of your life. If money and gathering it and having lots of it is really important and it becomes a value, then if we're not careful, greed will be the thing that will take control of our life. If it's personal pleasure that is my value in my life, then we will degenerate to self-indulgence very quickly. Alternatively, if we set our minds on things above, set our hearts on things above, And the value for us is God's kingdom and the increase of the influence of Christ, then our lifestyle is also adjusted accordingly. Verse 22, same passage. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. What I focus my life on, what I see is important, is what will set the direction of my life and determine where my treasure actually will lie. Now, don't get me wrong, because the whole counsel of Scripture is important, and it's important to provide for loved ones, and even if you can, leave an inheritance for a generation to come. It's important to enjoy the creation and enjoy the things that God has given to us because God wants us to enjoy those things. It's everything 
in balance, but how can I enjoy all the things that God has given me and somehow not give resource towards the expansion of God's kingdom through the local church? It's a good question to ponder. So grow this year for many of us could be resetting what is really, truly important in our hearts and in our lives. It's not something between you and anyone other than you and God. This is a journey. Grow is a journey between me and God. Carl's personal growth is a journey between him and God. Your growth is a journey between you and God. What God would have you do, sacrifice, serve and give your time to is a journey for you and him to figure out. But what does giving your time, your money, and service truly look like? Answering this question is vital to deciding on where you want your treasure to really be stored. One has temporary pleasure attached to it, and we can easily lose it along the way, and the other has eternity in mind. When I give to God through the local church, I value eternal fruit over temporary pleasure. I make no excuses for saying that because the local church is God's plan and God's heart for seeing the gospel go out in the earth. The church is not disappearing anytime soon, the gathered church or the scattered church. It's God's plan in the earth, so we make no apologies for saying giving to the local church is giving with an internal mindset. But if I just keep everything to myself, if my life's decision and my treasure is that I want to look after me, then I'm giving and storing up treasure for the temporary, for the here and now, and not with eternity in mind. This season of grow is a good time to evaluate what truly has my attention. What outcomes am I wanting in this life and into the next? What do I truly place high value on in my life and in my family? We began the series in last week in John 15, 16, which was the promise our church was launched with 32 years ago. This promise that God gave to Paul and Jill Bennett's, our founding pastors. Let's just look at it again briefly this morning. John 15, 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you may go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. So whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. The promise is that you were chosen and appointed, chosen by God, appointed by him to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Again, it's the eternal mindset over the temporary that we promise to receive. We as a church have always been willing to be uncomfortable, and I talked about this last week, stretched so that we can see the influence of Christ increase and see people given the opportunity to find faith in Jesus. That's what this is all about. That's what the mission and mandate on the church is all about. Otherwise, I might as well pack up and go home and give up my job. My passion is that other people would find hope in Jesus. I believe that's your passion as well. That's the desire we have. People will find Christ. So we're after eternal fruit, not temporary here and now fruit. Grow is designed to provoke our spirit again. The whole heart of this series is to provoke our spirit again, to keep pushing for more, to not settle into a complacent, posture or mindset and to live all in again. You see, maybe I'm the only one that needs to be reminded that I've got to be all in. Maybe I'm the only one that resorts back to comfort and complacency really easy by default. Maybe I'm the only one who holds stuff back and forgets that actually God gave it all for me and I want to give it all for him. Maybe I'm the only one, but I feel this series is to remind us again what it is to live all in. As we get towards the end of our time here on the earth, and I believe we're moving 
towards that time quicker than we've ever seen before. I feel like now is the time for the church to really press forward in the earth in the mission that God has given us. So it's designed to provoke you to live all in. Remember, if he gets my heart, then he gets it all. It's God's desire that each one of us would be fruitful and a part of seeing eternal fruit. And our prayer is that during grow, it would result in eternal fruitfulness in each one of our lives, not just in our corporate gathered church, but in your personal life, wherever it is that you go. So how do I set about building a life that's going to bear eternal fruit? The only way to live that kind of life is to make sure that your life is centered on Christ, that you're in an ever-increasing personal relationship with Jesus Christ, not a nominal relationship with him, not just a Sunday gathered corporate relationship with Jesus, because I would pose to you and propose that's not enough. To attend church on a Sunday, and if you're lucky, weekly or fortnightly, it's really not enough to ensure that Christ is at the center of your life. And if we're really going to see grow happen, and we're really going to see fruitfulness, and we're really going to live on mission, the only way is to ensure that Christ is at the center of it all. It's got to be a personal, close, reliant relationship on Jesus. Look at the first few verses of John 15. So the promise came John 15, 16, but verse 1 to 5 gives us the context. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We cannot bear fruit aside from him. There's no other way, according to that passage, that I can find that we can be fruitful. Not from an eternal perspective. If we're talking eternal fruitfulness then we're talking the kind of fruit that can only come from a relationship with Jesus. You can't get it any other way. You cannot bear fruit aside from him. So the key is to remain in him. So can I suggest to you that remaining in him is more than a Sunday, every few weeks. It looks like a daily relationship with Jesus Christ. Grow could mean for you an increase in your prayer, word, and personal worship life. It looks like chasing after Jesus and making sure he is at the center of your life. I feel like even in this moment, there's a challenge in this. There's a challenge that if the church will accept this, that we will move forward and we will grow, but it's like there's a moment in God where the voice of God, I feel it again, is saying, come on, it's got to be a personal, intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You cannot survive on a corporate gathering. It has to come out of your personal walk. Like if you're going to grow and you're giving, grow and you're serving, grow, it's not going to come out of just being part of a corporate gathering. It's going to come out of a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus because in that place, I recognize that Jesus gave it all for me, that he died on the cross for me, and I recognize I'm serving him. And if he gave it all for me, the least I can do is give it all for him. But that's not going to come just once every few weeks going to church. It comes out of a personal conviction that comes from living an intimate relationship with him. When he is 
the center of your life and you're chasing after Christ, then being asked for money or service or time won't affect you the same. You won't sit in a church and feel a cringe factor about being asked for money or asked for time or asked for service when you've already made up your mind and your heart that I've given it all to him. The awkwardness comes, the discomfort comes. Now, it's been done wrong. I hear all that. We've pushed money, we've done things in the past, but, but if I'm sitting under a balanced teaching around giving, serving, and time, I will not get offended when I've already made up my mind and my heart that Jesus has it all anyway. Because it's out of my personal relationship. I don't need convinced. I don't even need entertained. I don't need you to prove it to me. I already know because I've made up my mind and my heart that I love Jesus and I'll give it all to him. In fact, those who have Christ at the center are fruitful but willing to be pruned even so they can be more fruitful. That's a crazy thought. But when I'm all in and when Jesus is at the center, even though I'm already fruitful, I'm willing to be pruned. I'm willing to have some things stripped back so I can become even more fruitful. When I remain in Christ, I know my service is to him. It's not to the church. It's through the church. Please hear the distinctive and please hear the difference. I serve through the church, but I don't serve the church. The church did not go to the cross and die for your sin. The church can't save you. Only Christ can do that, the head of the church. The church is vitally important, but I'm not giving my time, my service, my money to the church. I'm giving it through the church, but I'm giving it to Christ. Like I've got that settled right now. And when I'm giving to Jesus, it's a privilege. It's a privilege to give to him. So I'm called to give to the vision of the local church. I'm actually being called to give to him. I'm actually being called to serve him. I'm being called to be a part of increasing Christ's influence in the world. The promise here is that if you remain in me and I remain in you, you will bear much fruit. I'm claiming that for us. Wouldn't be a little bit of fruitfulness. Bear much fruit. Those who remain in Christ when he's the center of your life, don't bear a little bit of fruit. We bear much fruit. Does anyone else want to claim that in their life? It says, apart from me, you can do nothing. So it's out of that relationship with him. Life Church is called to bear much fruit, and so is every individual that's a part of our church family. But we won't bear much fruit in our service to Carl, or in our service to the leadership, or in our service to the gathered church. We bear much fruit when it's for Christ's sake. Not because the leader called me to serve or he asked me to give or, or she asked me to, to, to give my time. It's, that's not what's going to bear much fruit. It's the reality that, oh, I gave it to Christ. It's in Christ. It's in a relationship with him. It's not in relationship with me that you're going to bear much fruit. It's in relationship with Jesus that you're going to bear much fruit. It does not say apart from Carl you can do nothing or apart from Life Church or the leadership you can do nothing. It says apart from me, Jesus, you can do nothing. But I want you to note that the imagery here is a vine with branches that are intertwined. And those branches touch each other and they grow together. Being planted in a local church is God's plan. And it is a big part of how we make sure that we are growing. Being in the church is, in my mind, being in the garden that the master gardener is attending to. Where I can be challenged, where I can be loved, cared for, and taken care of. Too many people have taken themselves out of the church. I don't need to be in the church to be a Christian. No, well, that's true. But let's talk about your growth. 
Let's talk about where you're heading when you decide you want to go and stand alone and not be a part of a local church anymore. It doesn't take long, and we've seen it many, many times, for that branch to begin to start to wither, and in the end, their faith get lost. See, we weren't designed to stand alone. The branches were designed to be in the vine together, be touched, connected to each other, and connected to Jesus Christ. They become cynical or negative or compromised in their faith. Being planted in the local church is a vital part of growing. And we're talking about what it is to be all in. We need each other. We need the community. We need the church. We need family. And we need Christ to be the center of it all. You know, there are too many people that are visiting churches. Some are visiting churches even for years until they're no longer happy. And in the end, they go and visit somewhere else. Can I just say this as sensitively as I can? It's God's design that we are to be planted in a local church family. And in my mind, remain there and only leave with what God calls us to go elsewhere. Now, there are legitimate reasons to leave church. I'm not going to go into all those today, but there are. There are reasons and there are seasons that we go through. And there is a call of God for us to move and to go somewhere and to be part of something else. They're absolutely legitimate. But most of the reasons we get people leaving church saddens me. There's no sense of God's leading or calling or God's timing. It ends up being an email we receive. It's more about a preference or a disappointment about someone or something. And when I get those emails, they sadden me. It's not like, well, God's calling me because when God's calling me, we can bless that. We can honor that and we love that. If God's calling you to go somewhere else, to be fruitful somewhere else, we'll bless it. But often when it's just something small happened and I got disappointed, now I want to leave There's no sense of God in that. And I believe we're called to get planted in a local church so we can truly, really grow. While you are in a church, get all in. Can I say that? Most of us in this room are, and it's good, but we've got to be all in. But too many people are potted. I will attend, but I won't get out of the pot in case I'm not happy or comfortable here. And then I can quickly move to another garden somewhere else or another church and repeat the process, and unfortunately, in the end, lack growth. To truly get your roots down where you can grow and be fruitful, you have to get out of the pot, be part of the garden, and be willing to remain. Get in and serve on team. Give financially. Show up regularly. Get your roots down deep in the soil bed and be committed. If we're genuinely talking about grow, growing, I believe being planted in the house of the Lord, serving, giving, being part of it all is how you get your roots down deep in Him. Matthew 6, 33. Make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad, for a tree is recognized by its fruit. I just want to give you a few short points about what makes a tree good, in my humble opinion. First is, I've already made mention of it, it's planted, not potted. In other words, its growth is not restricted by the size of its soil and pot, but it can truly grow to become what it was intended to become. When we get out of the pot, the tree can truly grow to the tr- how the tree was designed. I feel that's a part of God's plan for the church. Is people wouldn't just be in pots where their growth is restricted, but they'd get out of the pot, get in the garden, get their roots down deep so you can grow and flourish into all that God had planned for your life. Here's the second thing that makes a tree good. The gardener takes care of it. It's it's attended to. 
It's pruned by an expert for maximum growth and not just hacked at by an amateur. I can say that because I'm the, I'm the amateur that hacks at my trees. Uh, I've tried to grow a lemon tree for years and the thing just wouldn't grow. And it was like I prayed over the tree, all sorts of things. But I just got a gardener who came around and said, oh, it's simply you've got it one in the wrong location. I put it in the right location, it's going to make a difference. Two, in the winter, cover it from the frost because every winter it's dying. And so you realize the expert gardener understands how to get the most fruit out of a, a fruit tree. It's attended to, it's taken care of. The gardener also pulls the weeds out that grow at the same time. The gardener takes care. See, we can grow up and be fruitful, but we get weeds at the same time. Left unattended, the weeds can overgrow. But the gardener, the expert gardener pulls the weeds out. So we're not only fruitful, but the weeds are disappearing from our lives. The third thing is it stands through the seasons. In other words, it's gone through every season and withstood all the tests of extremes. And it's forced to put its roots down deep to survive. After three years of going through all the seasons, it gets established and becomes very fruitful. In other words, it can stand up to strong winds because it's got its root system down deep. See, the tree in the pot is blown over and exposed in a strong wind. But the tree with its roots down deep doesn't get blown over when the storms come. Listen, in your Christian walk, you're going to have some storms. Can I get an amen to that? That always gets the biggest amen in the room. Everybody understands there are storms in life. But being planted, being established, when the storms come, I will survive. When the different seasons come, I will survive. That's why being planted in a church is important because churches go through seasons. There are good seasons and there are difficult seasons, but those who got out of the pot and put their roots down deep survived the seasons. They can stay the course. They can stand their ground and in time continue to be fruitful year after year. Have I got any friends? The fourth thing is it's in good soil. The gardener adds the right nutrients. Now listen to this, even a little bit of manure to the soil. We walk through some stuff and sometimes we look at it and it's difficult, but actually maybe it's just a bit of manure being added in to the soil. Anyway, that's a whole other message. Good worship. Bit of a challenge. A stretching and exercising of our faith. A bit of adjustment if necessary. These are all good things in the soil of life to help you grow. And we need that. I talk about soil. I don't have time to go into it today because I've already gone way over, but soil is like the culture. The place I'm a part of, what helps me to grow, what helps me to thrive, what helps me to survive. And so the soil is very important. Culture corporately, but also the culture of your personal life. The soil looks at things like, you want to tiller the soil? You want to work on what the soil's like? It looks like reading the word, praying, worship, serving, sacrifice, surrender. looks like a whole lot of things are the culture of your personal life that tend to the soil. Some people in the end don't like what's been added to the soil, want to be transplanted to someone else's garden. We've seen this time and time again, people that we thought were planted who decided, I don't like the garden bed I'm a part of anymore, so I want to be transplanted. Look, when you get transplanted, the root system gets cut short. You do that too many times, you will stunt the growth. We've seen people who have moved church and moved and moved and moved and moved, and in the end, they're not that fruitful. See, something about staying and being planted and getting your roots down deep that will help you to flourish and grow into all that God has for you. We're designed to be planted. We're designed to have our lives attended to. 
We're designed to be resilient enough to stand even through difficult seasons, to be all in and not hold back. For Life Church to achieve the vision that God has placed in our hearts and God has given us, it's going to take that kind of all in life. People go, yeah, we're going to go through some storms. There's going to be some difficult times, but we've got our roots down deep. We will stand through that storm because we're resilient. The heart of grow is for every single one of us to grow in some way. A big part of that for us is to not be resistant, but open to whatever God wants to do. Like when we start talking about this stuff, for some people, a, a wall goes up, a guard goes up, and I protect my heart, but I want to see walls come down, guards come down. People who would be willing to say, God, you know what? Here's my heart. Junk and all, Lord, mess and all, here's my heart. Work on me. Not I'm, I'm good how I am, so stay away from from me, but no, 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 God, you have access to my heart. If I'm planted here in Life Church and this is home, if I'm not a visitor even after years, but I'm in the family, then I encourage you to be part of this year's giving campaign. Make a decision that you want to be all in, you want to be part of where God's taking us. Be a part of signing up to serve. Be into that. This is a time for all of us who know that this is a church and this is our home for us to be part of the family help carry the weight of it. When I was a very new Christian in the church, which is about 22 years ago, I got saved in the church and I went to a new Christians class and I'd been coming on Sundays, but then I'd been going out and partying and doing everything else during the week and living my life how I used to live it and then coming back to church and saying, sorry to God for that and do it again the next week and then repeat the, and I just repeated that week after week. So how good is it that I can just go to church on Sunday and go up the front and say, sorry to God and I'm all good again. Like that's a sweet deal. And I remember being in a new Christian's class and having a dream. It's like I was being prayed for and I had a dream. And in that moment, I was sitting on a fence and I had a foot in each camp. And I felt the voice of God speak to me and say, make a choice. Either get all in or get all out, but don't sit on the fence. And it was a super challenge because my desire was to be all in. I was just so broken and messy that I wanted to hedge my bets. But I wanted to be all in. And it was the moment where I felt God say to me, come on, get off the fence and get all in. It was a call from God for me to be covenant in my relationship with him like he's covenant in his relationship with me and not to live a life that is contract-based. See, God is a covenant God. He went all in when he sent Jesus to the cross. He held nothing back from you and I. So the dream made sense to me. Well, I sent my son to die a horrific death for you. Not that you could sit on the fence, but you could make a decision. Don't be lukewarm, be all in or be all out, but make a decision. And it feels harsh, but I felt the presence of God strongly and the hope I had if I, if I just choose to go all into this. If I just give up that other lifestyle and go all in, things could be different. I felt the call of God. God wanted me to be a covenant in my relationship like he was covenant in his. My being on the fence was a contract posture and not a covenant. Let me explain that. A contract relationship is the terms by which we part company. A covenant relationship is the term by which we stay. The terms by which we part or the terms by which we stay. God, God signed his covenant with the blood of his son. He made it as said he was all in. He was staying. Covenant God. And God is looking for a people who are covenant with him and not contract based. I see this play out in many lives in many different situations. Marriages meant to be covenant, not be contract. But because it's become mostly contract based, now we're seeing an ever increasing divorce rate across the world. People who get disappointed in God and give up on their relationship with him had a contract-based relationship 
with God. In other words, you didn't meet my needs the way I wanted them to be met. They had the terms by which I will leave you, God. If you don't meet my demands or you don't meet what I want, I am going to leave. It's a contract posture versus a covenant posture. Church is the big one. I see this a lot. People who arrive at church, and when they arrive, they come and they say to us, I love this aspect of the church. This is why we're here, because we love this one part of the church. A lot of the time, it's the worship, believe it or not. We're here because we like the worship, and I bless them. It's not always the case, but I look at that as someone presenting their contract to me. Because here's what we like about the church, but if you change that, or you mess with it, or it's too loud, or it's not how I want it to be, I'm going to take my contract down the road to where the worship's the way I want it to be. And they're living a contract-based faith. And people move churches all over our city, all over the world. People are moving churches because they've got a contract-based relationship with God or with the church. In other words, if you don't meet my needs the way I want you to meet them, then I'm out. And people have lost this idea that God calls you to a people and a place. God puts you in a people and place. God calls you for a time to be with people and place. But people come with their contract. It's their way of presenting their terms of agreement. And I felt God speak to me a number of years ago now that you can never build church with contract people. You can only build church with covenant people. People who go, you know what, we we know we'll go through some tough times and we know that you'll change some things that we don't necessarily like, but we're covenant. We're called to be here. We're called to serve here. We're called to be here, so we're going to stay the course. We've got our roots down deep. Contract people, if they're not careful, they'll have broken contracts everywhere and in the end be left empty and disappointed and disillusioned with church. And as I say that, I know there are people you can think of probably in your own lives who are in that boat or on a journey to that. Like, I'm disappointed and I'm disillusioned with church. and A person let me down. Guess what? People will let you down. People are people. We're human. We muck it up. We make mistakes. But they're disappointed, they're disillusioned with church. That leader said something I didn't like. They built a building instead of helping the poor with that money. They didn't let me on the stage to preach and they didn't recognize I had the gifting to do so. They didn't visit my great aunt when she was sick in hospital. I mean, you could go on all day and add to the list. There are so many things that people are carrying disappointment over. And some of the complaints are legitimate because we are human and leaders make mistakes. We do that a lot. But a covenant person stays when things are difficult because they're all in. They know how to weather the storms. They've already given up preference for the call of God to be here. It's not about them. It's about the mission. They've already sacrificed it being all about them. It's about the mission. Now it's about you. Please hear the balance. We still want to love you, care for you, see your life go well. We still care about what it is to shepherd people. But people who come and who are covenant, who are called by God, know there are seasons where I'm not getting necessarily right now what I want out of this. But it's not about what I want. It's about the mission of God. And I'm on the team and I'm in the family. So covenant people stay and they're all in. Let me finish today as the worship team comes back. This is in the Grow Flyer, Psalm 92, 12 to 14. I felt it was a prophetic statement over our church and I believe it always has been. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. 
You know, there are people here today that have been a part of the church basically since the beginning. People here that are older, same at Levita. And I look at our, our old people in our church, and they're as green and fresh as ever. They're as on fire and full of faith as ever. Those who are planted, the key, planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God and still bear fruit. To grow and flourish, we need to be planted in the house of the Lord. Where I am, I will bear fruit even into old age and will stay fresh and green. Does anyone want that to be the story of their life? Here I am at 41 saying, God, I want to stay fresh and green and bear fruit even into my old age. I don't want to have had a season where I did the Christian thing or did church. I want to bear fruit into my old age. Those who are planted, it's a key, in the house of the Lord will flourish. That is the vision for your life if you will be planted. You will see the people in our church right across both locations, full of faith, passionate, love God with all their heart because they've known what it is to be planted in the house of the Lord. People who are covenant, who are all in. See, that's God's heart for all of us. That's God's heart for you today. That you'd not be on the fence or live by contract or be in a pot. That you'd be planted, that you'd be covenant, and that you'd be all in. And if we build a church on those things, people are committed, covenant, all in, called by God to be here and to build for the future, to get off the fence. I might be one foot in the world and one foot in the church. No, I'm going to go all in. I'm not going to stay on the fence. Maybe you've been in a pot for a while. It's like, a, I don't know. I don't know about being planted. Get planted. Get out of the pot. Get your, get your roots down deep in the soil. And that's the heart of this series is that we would each grow, begin a journey of flourish. It's the catalyst for where we're going to head as a church. Let's pray together. Why don't you stand with me? God, again today, we ask for you to, by your grace, show each of us areas in our lives that we can grow in. Lord, show us what does this season look like for us? I know in the depths of my heart, you have a plan for every single one of us to grow. So again, Lord, we just open our hearts to you and we say again, have my heart, have it all. I pray for each one of us here that we would know what it is to go all in and not hold anything back. Lord, we each thank you for your grace and love for us. Holy Spirit, would you move in each one of our lives afresh today? We would say yes to fruitfulness and yes to remain in you where we can truly flourish. Would you speak to each of us about what this season of grow could be for us? What we should give, where we could give our time or our service? Would you again move our hearts to live on mission wherever we are with courage and conviction? And finally today, Lord, we finish with gratitude again for the cross. We thank you for your covenant with us, written with your son's blood. We thank you, Lord, that you held nothing back. You went all in with sending Jesus. You showed us the depth of your love for us, that where there was no way, you made a way by sending your son. So today, Lord, we finish in this place of gratitude. We thank you that we can know forgiveness of sin. 
freedom and that we each have been able to embrace the promise of eternity. Lord, we carry that again today. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done for each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen.